This is episode number 132 with Ana Oliveira from Cargill. Welcome to Transform Talks, the only podcast that cuts straight through the hype and noise on supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, the CEO and co-founder of the Future Insights Network. Join me as I uncover the stories and delve deeper into the topics that really matter to you. Okay, so you've got a customer-centric supply chain. Well, now what? Cargill, the American Global Food Corporation, has their eyes set on what they call customer intimacy. And they're building this into their supply chain by trying to predict the unpredictable. The COVID pandemic taught supply chain leaders a lot, and many aspired to redesign their supply chains for customer centricity. Well, this year, however, is going to see many companies upgrade their supply chains even further to get closer to their customers than ever before. Joining me in this episode is Ana Oliveira. She's from the Center of Excellence LATAM Supply Chain Process Manager at Cargill, and we're going to be discussing some of her biggest lessons learned from this pandemic. We're going to also talk about Cargill's fixation on predicting the unpredictable to better serve customers and build what they call customer intimacy, and how essential IVP is for all of this, how it's fundamentally different from SNOP, and we're also going to get some top tips on what to consider when implementing it. I have a lot of questions for Anna, so let's get started. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being here. Thanks a lot for the invitation as well. No, well, you know what? I'm really um, excited to talk to you because, A, we, you know, although I try my best to get a lot of women on the podcast, you know, because, and we're getting much better at that. There's more women representation. My microphone closer, I just realized. More women representation <laughs> into, into the field. But to get women from Latin America, from a big company, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited about that. So um, let's talk about what's happening in your world. It's 2022. You know, we've uh, been dealing with the pandemic for two years now. Uh, what is happening in your world? What's what is keeping you up at night awake? Okay. Okay. So thanks for again. Thanks for the invitation. It's going to be a pleasure for me to be participating on that. And especially like a woman in Latin America as well. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, I think 20, 2022nd in my world, like I'm a, as a COE process manager and a part of a center of excellence of Cargill as well. I think uh, one of the things that, uh, that is going to be a very challenge for us in this uh, 2022nd and how we can be more mature in this supply chain, how we can be more customer driven, how we can be more flexible, how we can be, how we can predict things in terms of demand as well. Like, and then um, we are very sick and looking forward to improvements in, in process as well, like a YBP process, SNOE process. So mm -hmm. that is, I think, in those um, disruption moments, it's one of the things that we are looking forward for those improvements. But, but is that any different to things to the world before the pandemic? I mean, I think all supply chain leaders or centers of excellence were looking for building flexibility, agility, et cetera. But I think now you, you I'm going to hone in on a word that you used, which is predicting, you know, I mean, nobody can predict anything these days, at least, you know, certainly that's one thing that the pandemic has taught us. What do you think has been your biggest lesson from the last couple of years? Yeah, I think is a, uh... That is a great discussion in terms of uh, how we can be more predictable. Mm. And uh, one of the things that we are learning a lot and how we can use technology to support, how we can have like a good master data and how we can be more integrated in terms of process as well. Because as soon as when we 
have like a good robust process in place and all uh, cross-functional alignments and you have like a good master data in place and a mm. good technology to support those we can be more agile mm -hmm. to check how it's going to be our future and uh, for the next 24 months but uh, like um, those is workshop moments we need to kind of handle the daily basis to check how we are so in terms of process how we can build like a robust we process etc et first you check the performance as well like, uh, how the customer is uh um they're doing like uh, the the orders how the customer are they they want to to be more um what the customer wants, actually, what we want to, to receive from the customer, what the customer really wants, what the customer needs. So to be more customer intimacy, per se. So mm -hmm. I think that is one of the things that we are very strong and look forward. And I think that is uh, the most thing that we should looking for uh, to be more, um, to address those, uh, uh, those extreme disruption moments as well. So having, so having a more solid data strategy, you know, getting more close with your customer, uh, implementing a good solid business strategy and business planning. Uh, I guess you're never, you know, all of those things were not necessarily going to guarantee supply chain predictability and resilience, yeah. but certainly they will help you get through to being able to respond to some of the challenges that the market can bring, right? Yes, yes. I think is uh, when you have like a robust plan, as example, an IBP process, when you mm -hmm. have like a good IBP process in place, you, you through IBP is not only the meeting per se and how you prepare for the meeting, how you have like your data, how you're going to be your inputs, your outputs. And what is the, how the technology, technology also is going to support those, those moments as well. And I think if you have those, if you have like a maturity enough to handle those IBP process and SNOE process or even your strategy conversation inside the business, that could help you and to guide you to be more predictable. Mm -hmm. And and do you think that because you talk about technology, let's 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 focus on that. I, I like to talk about digital transformation. We talk a lot about that here in this podcast, but I also like to say that digital transformation isn't just about technology, right? It's about people mm -hmm. and processes. But let's let's start with technology. What technology do you think is exciting? You know, now what, what technology is exciting and what technology is essential? Uh, in a supply chain in 2022? Yeah, I think um, the most, the one of the most important things for you to, to focus is the part of demand. Check your statisticals, yeah. not some technology to support your statistical. And mm -hmm. the other thing that I think is very important as well, how we can do your MRP, MPS, like mm -hmm. putting that in technology as well, because those is the one that is going to drive you to have like your constraint plan, unconstrained plan for you to have those conversation, for you to have like a monetized plan as well. So mm -hmm. that I think those are most important technology for you to drive those uh, 24 months or you, even your strategy as well, long-term. Okay. And I mean, we know that COVID was a huge shockwave to everybody. We know that it had a tremendous impact on demand, but also supply. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a twin, you know, crisis here, both in demand and supply. We could not have predicted the, the way, the irrationality of how some people have, you know, asked for goods or bought and purchased goods, right? So what have you seen in Latin America? Let's go into your geographic location now in terms of demand and supply fluctuations and the challenges you're facing. That is a, actually, that is a 
good, good question. And that is uh, something that everyone is uh, trying to mitigate those risks mm -hmm. because there is a lot of import and uh, importation going on as well. Like for your raw material, pack material. And sometimes you have like a lead times for three months. And sometimes yeah. you have like only one single source. And that is kind of like, you need to predict if your uh, source is going to, to uh, source to you for you to produce, et cetera. And then if it did time, it's not going to change as well. So I think he's, uh, that is a good ch challenge that we need to do it. And something that we're looking forward and to check, like for, for instance, um, have like more than one single source. They have one yeah. more other source for you to, to do the, those importation have like a good conversation through those IBP process. You have like some pre-meetings for you to have like a very consistent alignment cross-functional to check what is the risk is an opportunity. So what is the gaps? What are you going mm -hmm. to have? What we need to constrain? Perhaps you're going to have like a, you already have like some visibility in long-term and you can already constrain and give the, the company visibility and you can give the, the company also the moment to, get, to do like some trade-off decisions to create some scenarios. I think that one of the most important things is for you not to have like one scenario, create like multiple two scenario planning. Multiple, yeah, multiple scenarios planning. Mm. So I think that is a, that's why I always enforce the, the importance of IBP in, uh, inside the organization because it's where is uh, the big and a robust platform that you can share uh, all the risks, opportunity gaps and the scenarios straight off decisions cross-functional. You know, IBP is one of those things that a lot of people, you know, some, some companies don't use, some companies do use. There's a lot of confusion between IBP, SNOP. Um, what, what's your thinking on that? What's your thinking on this whole IBP situation? Yeah, that is a, it's a good question. Everyone sometimes looking, uh, they ask for me, like, what is the main difference between IBP and SNOP? So kind of the SNOP says or an operational planning, we don't have too much uh, financialization and we don't have too much market insights as well. And when you say IBP, we have like five steps, which is like the those clear steps, which is a PMR, which you talk about your portfolio management review. You have DMR, which you have, you, you, uh, that you have like a conversation about demand and SMR that you have like a supply chain conversation, IOR when you have like the monetized plan. And then you have like uh, the MBR that you have like all the, the leadership uh, playing uh, alignment. So, and I think uh, sometimes the people is not, I'm not saying avoid to, to do those implementation, but to do like a very good implementation. First of all, you need to have knowledge. What does IBP means? What do you need to do? What is the inputs and outputs for each part of the cycle and uh and for that you you need to have like a timing is a high effort you need to mm. to spend your timing spend your resource you need to have like a good master data in place you have you need to have like a good metrics and you need to have those robust um process for you to have like a pre-alignment and the media alignment as well so and sometimes the people is postpone those implementation because it's it's require a lot of effort mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and you know what if it requires a lot of effort and it probably requires a lot of human effort as well so not a lot of those things can be done by technology you're going to need to have a clear understanding of your commercial uh, uh you know commercial uh, goals and objectives you also need to have an understanding of your thorough supply chain right end to end supply chain sometimes 
am I wrong? I mean, I, I could be wrong, but sometimes I feel like some people in the planning space might be very good experts at their one space, their their supply side or the demand side, or they might be good at the you know the transportation side. But to do what you're suggesting requires an, a helicopter view over the entire supply chain, right? Yes, yes. I think is uh when you have the clear definition in your organization, what does IBP means? It's very good for you to align cross-functional what is going to be the agenda, the main inputs that you're going to have in each part of the cycle. And mm -hmm. those agendas you need to prepare before. You need to check like what is the who is going to be involved, the roles and the responsibilities, what is the right skills, what do the people need to be on those meetings. So, and then you go, what is, is going to be your communication flow through those cycles? Because sometimes you see like IBP, but, it, but you don't have like a, um, the, the feedback from the mm -hmm. SMR, for instance, to the PMR. So the, the commercial team say, okay, I don't know what is the constraint, what it was discussing the SMR. So I don't know what is a, in the final constraint plan. So how you can do those communication flow. And I agree with you. Sometimes you, you check there is some people that have like a strong knowledge in one part and the other so, ones have like but it a creates, Yeah, it creates a silo, a silo yes. mentality, you know, where you, where you only function within those things. So do you think yes. that the skill set that's required to succeed in IBP is cross-functional understanding? Yes, it's cross-functional understanding and also have like a robust training what IBP means and what mm -hmm. IBP is and what is the agenda, what is the main objectives of each meeting and how is going to be those communication flow will help for, for those IBP implementation. Mm. So what skill sets do you need to bring into a successful center of excellence in today's market? Uh, I think um, uh, data. Master data, I think uh, everyone who have like a strong technology in place and master data knowledge, how to manage the master data and, and how you can set up the master data correctly. Mm. I think that is one, I think talent, um, this key when you say like talent, um, know what is the soft, uh, soft skills and the hard skills. So mm -hmm. because that there is uh, some people require a lot of hard skills and some people that is only uh, soft skills as well. So technology, I think the part of technology, uh, uh, um, te technology uh, knowledge as well, like what is the best technology for you to implement? What is the best, what is the functionality of the technology as well? Uh, what is the, uh, you have like a lot of technology today in place and uh, there is a people they say like, okay, we have a technology, but uh, how we can implement, we are ready to implement those technology. So have like a good visibility of uh, technology readiness before to do uh, technology implementation as well. So I think those, and to be very flexible, reliable, um, have a, a lot of uh, good conversation, those soft skills as well, uh, have a, a good um, alignment and the cross-functional knowledge, cross-functional. I think that is uh, something uh, that is some skills that is required for, for the center of excellence as well. Yeah, I would agree with you. I'd probably even add as well to that. I'm sure you have a, a very comprehensive list, but um, a flexible mindset, right? Those softer skills, the ability to find solutions where there are none, you know, a, a wider understanding of the business. How is my role going to work at, or how is my role going to fit in the wider scheme of the overarching goals of the business, right? Yes. So to avoid the, the, the silo mentality. 
And, and you know what, one of the biggest challenges I have, and I'm sure every leader will tell you this, is instilling a data-driven culture in your business. Because, you know, people, in, I think they can appreciate it on an academic level, that data is important. Everybody appreciates it academically. Uh-huh. You know, we know this. But practically, how do you drive that data curiosity that sort of, you know, within, is that something that, you, that you've found at all or is it just me? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, think, I think that is uh, the main challenge of everyone. Uh, like every organization looking for to have like a clean Mercedes data, like to have a good Mercedes data in place. And uh, usually when you implement some technology, you'll need to do like some master data update. But uh, mm-hmm. what, what happened is how you can maintain your good master data in place, how you can build those processes, like how is the person responsible, what are responsibilities like across uh, those master data process? And how you can use this master data, where you can find those master data, especially when you have like a company that has like a lot of technology in place, how you can make sure the master data cross systems is mm. correctly as well. I think that is uh, something that uh, if, you, if you really do like some mindset, if you, if you challenge your company to have those mindset, what is the, uh, how much is important the master data? And mm-hmm. you can be more predictable and you can be more reliable in terms of your process as well. I'm going to shift gears and change and ask a different question now because, um, you know, I want to ask you how you got into supply chain. Why? <laughs> and, and I'm going to say, before I ask that question, it's because one of the biggest challenges leaders across the world are having is trying to attract diversity into their businesses as a whole. Supply chain, I think, has had an image issue previously where it's almost like a back office function. So to attract women, uh, especially in Latin America, where it is, I mean, I'm from Latin America, I can speak about it. It's a male dominated society. I know that there are a lot of, uh, you know, men that are pushing a a very good diverse agenda and I, I applaud them. But how did you get into supply chain? That is a, it's a good conversation as well. Um, I'm a pharmacist, like a graduating pharmacist. So, uh, and then I started studying my uh, MBA in uh, industrial, industrial mm-hmm. part. And then one of the most excited uh, uh, chemistry that I, I had is about supply chain. Right. And uh, supply chain inside the industry. And then I started to work in the industry for pharmaceuticals as a supply chain person. And then I got so excited because um, supply chain, I think everyone who work in supply chain, you can never um, rest, like completely mm-hmm. rest. You, you no, every it's ongoing. Like a it's, lot of, yes. <laughs> you always and it was like that before COVID. It was before COVID. Imagine now, yes. yeah. Yes, yes. You always have challenge. There is no, like, if you see someone saying like, okay, I need more challenge. Perhaps these people doesn't work for supply chain because supply chain always have challenge, always have something to improve, always have something to talk about it. And especially because of those supply chain 4.0, there's a lot of things to do, a lot of things to improve. And uh, and to be in the center of excellence now, for me, is very good to to me uh, to have like a broad supply chain perspective, not only IBP, but also order management, um, customer service, about SNOE, about the strategy, supply chain strategy, about the mint planning, supply planning. So that gave me a lot of uh, uh, knowledge to influence in the, the, the business. How, how is the importance of supply chain? How is the importance of a process? 
So I think so you felt involved. Linked, you felt involved in the, yes, in the business. Yes, very. That's a very yeah. That's a good thing. And, and so, so, and I so think, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I think one of the things that uh, I think for me match a lot because I'm very process people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm very process person per se, because I came from pharmaceutical company and the pharmaceutical has a lot of process. And then mm-hmm. that is uh, one of the things that it challenged me the most. What do you do to attract more diverse talent, you know, to your centers of excellence? I think um, that is a broad question as well. And I think it's a good question uh, that you, you need to, um, in your, our organization need to have like, need to understand the numbers like of women's and men's, for example, I'm talking about diversity and inclusion, about women's in the leadership, for example. So you need to understand your numbers. You need to understand your culture. How is the, your, your company by those diversity inclusion? And you need to start to develop some action plans for you to include those people, uh, build some programs about like uh, attracting women on the, on the leadership or, or even the operational side as well. And then there is a... And, and then you check, like you do like some metrics to check if you have like a good participants. And, and then what are the other things that we are doing as well? When you're going to hide someone, invest your time to looking for diversity. Mm-hmm. So not only do like a broad, but check, invest your time and, and, and spend, spend, uh, spend your, like uh, your effort to check like what is the uh, talents that we have what is the diversity talents that we we could we can get so i think that is a and then engage the culturizing the engage the the culture of the company uh for you to build those programs for you to build those robust uh hiring uh program as well i think that is kind of one of the things that we are doing and uh trying to change those mindsets here in latin america well, you've got a, a big job ahead of you, but uh, yeah. clearly, <laughs> big job ahead of you, but you're clearly doing some good things. So, uh, you know, and it's a pleasure to talk to you. It's a pleasure for you to come onto the show and tell us what you're up to and what you're, you know, what what attracted you to this industry. And I, I, I'm like you. I think supply chain is so interesting. And more importantly, I think it has, um, you know, it, it just, the, you have the ability to impact so much, you know, not just your business as a whole, but governments and, and, and you know, global economies you know, yes. in, in, in what you do. So it's, it's at the, at the cutting edge of innovation and driving the future. So, Anna, yeah. I want to thank you for being here and no doubt we'll see you again soon at uh, any one of our next uh, upcoming events or podcasts or whatever. So uh, thanks again. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. It was a pleasure to be here as well. Great. And for those of you listening, we'll catch you later. Thanks for joining us today at Transform Talks. I hope you found this valuable. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share. I'll see you at the next one.